1: Hey, it's Brett Ballantini here with the Southside Sox podcast, and you might be sitting at home listening, saying, all right, what's the deal? I identify that as Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. That's a song from 1986. What's the deal with that, Brett? Well, there's a reason, and I'm going to tell you in just a second, because 1986 is a theme for the podcast here today, and that's because uh, this is going to be a, a really first something different that we've done so far since we've uh, revamped the podcast and started it back up again. We're going to talk about somebody. We're going to talk to somebody, s- someone outside of the White Sox universe, uh, not a writer, uh, not a White Sox writer. That is not someone whose focus is the White Sox, and that's because today we are talking with Brad Baluchian, who has written a fantastic book called *The Wax Pack*. Uh, You're going to be seeing this podcast pop up. At the same time, you're going to see a review of the book. Uh, It is going to be available on March 31st, April 1st. Uh, So available pretty much now, people. And we are lucky enough to have Brad with us, the author of The Wax Pack. Thank you very much for taking the time and joining me here today, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me on, Brad. I appreciate it. Okay. Okay. 1986 is the theme here because the wax pack that Brad opened for his book is a pack of 1986 baseball cards, which was the year that Brad began collecting baseball cards, however briefly. And I guess before we get into the scope of the book, which is far different already, folks are listening saying, oh, this is about baseball cards. No, it is not at all about baseball cards. It certainly involves baseball cards. It involves baseball sports. But of course, this book here is a memoir. Uh, I don't think Brad typed this up on a roll of butcher paper like Jack Kerouac did for On the Road, but this is definitely an on-the-road Americana story. Um, So I'm going to start, though, with just a little bit of baseball card question and one thing that came up i think in the appendix of the book Brad is that you did order more than one pack of baseball cards from eBay in sort of kickstarting this project and unless it gives away some sort of secret can i ask how many you did end up uh, buying and opening to sort of get the perfect pack <laughs>
0: so in the spirit of full disclosure in the book i wanted to everyone to know that excuse me that i didn't just take a single pack i mean i wish i could have because that would have been really cool just whatever that first pack was um but i knew that okay what if i end up with you know six players that are dead or everyone lives in california doesn't make for a very good road trip um so i actually bought about a dozen packs and the rule was, I had two rules. Number one, I have to chew the gum and that
1: self-inflicted <laughs> wound of
0: experiencing that that thing, which <laughs> was every, as, every bit as bad as you might imagine. And two was that I would not mix and match any cards, right? So whatever pack I went with had to remain intact. That Those were the guys that were there together. And so, so I picked the pack that um, had guys spread out throughout the country, so it would be a good road trip and one that had mostly... Well, there was one guy, Al Cowens, that's no longer
1: with us, but uh, you know, everyone else was still around. Now, it worked out that you had a pack, I think, that involved some guys who you felt were sort of close to you. In fact, I believe your very favorite player was in that pack, so it, it ended up being a good one to choose on, on a number of different <laughs> levels. Was there a guy that... Um, didn't end up in that pack that uh just sort of on your fan i mean I, you had an idea going in i suppose of the types of guys you could be talking to from a 1986 uh, series of baseball cards uh, was there someone that uh, you had in mind that didn't end up in the pack um that that you that would have been interesting for you to be able to talk to the was on your short list of guys that were, were interesting to you or did you end up sort of hitting all of your bullet points uh, with that one pack no, there are definitely guys that I
0: would have liked. Uh, so Don Carmen, the guy you alluded to, was my favorite as a kid. So clearly, it was a highlight to have him included. Um, but I, as I talk about in the book, I was a weird kid uh, and a, a weird adult still, and <laughs> that I I like the guys that are kind of the underdogs. So as a kid, my my favorite um, my favorite players were. Uh, Spike Owen and guys that were, you know, not superstars. So, yeah, I, I had a, a set of guys in mind that I think I would have liked to get in there. But um, I was fine, you know, not not having all those guys.
1: OK, before we get into the the sort of the humanist portion of, of, of the book, uh, we're going to geek out just one more uh, second. Now, one thing that you mentioned in the book was the the sort of nonsense, the non sequitur or nonsensical the real one on the pack of baseball cards. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you know what that? I still don't understand what I, that means. And I was I was going to offer that uh, way overstep my bounds as being like some kind of know it all, but because you've asked now, I will. The uh, and I uh, okay, this resonates with me, of course, because this isn't too far out of my range. I uh, well, I'll say that and be flattering to myself because my first year collecting was 1976. Before I ever went to a baseball game, before I was ever taken by my dad. 19, 1976 was the year that i sort of had that same experience the, the visceral feel of the cards and memorizing the backs and fronts and that right. so i was clearly connect a uh, collector at the time that the real one first popped up on tops packs and the reason for that is that in 1981 there was competition for the first time in about 10 15 years with tops uh right. fleer I'm and, Don, fleer and donless now. Also put out their brand of sort of lame cards that year. All three of them so <laughs> Topps's decision, rather than say, "Hey, uh oh, we got competition. I'm going to make a really great baseball card this year." They didn't. The 1981 card is sort of lame. Uh, but what yeah. they felt they needed to do was <laughs> say, "Well, we're the real one. We're we're the original. Right. We're the legit one because we got competition now. We're going to put that on." So basically, it
0: reminds, me, it reminds me of when like they did the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters in the <laughs> mid '80s. Do you remember that? Yeah, was like, yeah.
1: okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so rather than actually buck up and put put out a good card, they got caught sort of with their pants on, so they figured, well, we'll just slap this on uh, the wrapper and we'll just claim that we're the real one, like Polk versus some some imitation. Now, it turns out, in the early 80s, they did actually have a pretty good, um, uh, you know, still slightly before your time in, in collecting, and as a fan, they actually did, 82, 83, 84, they put, put out some real good issues of cards that, that did sort of legitimize themselves as the real one, but, yeah, simply slapping... This this nonsense of the real one on the pack does, especially now as you're going back to it, say, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this is a silly thing to throw on your wrapper, but yeah, that that is actually the backstory. And I'm I, boy, I'm sort of proud to be able to let you know that silly, silly, you know, part of the you know, it was a question you asked, so I figured you know what, I'm gonna try to answer yeah. it if you're still wondering.
0: Right. No, that, that no, I appreciate that. I, I now got that filled
1: in. <laughs> um. Okay. Now. Listen, I got a word or an inkling of this, I think, through some 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 tweets um, and some people starting to talk about the book, you know, before it was even getting close to advanced copies and before I ever was contacted by any publisher about it. Um, And, you know, my first, you know, no offense, Brad, my my first response to hearing about this book was I was ticked off. Because any creative person, any 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 person who feels they're creative and is close to the topic that they're hearing about, you know, listen. Out full disclosure, I'll be honest. I was angry. I was like, "This is a great idea. Why didn't I come up with an idea?" I'm angry at this guy. <laughs> but that said, no, that said, I could never. You know, I couldn't. I could not do this. And so my first question, really, about the you know actual meat of the book is. You know how how did you make this work? Uh, you know this is a this is a tens of thousand mile yeah. Uh, trip. Yeah. It um, listed here as eleven thousand three hundred and forty one miles through thirty states. Uh, how did you make this happen?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm the first to admit that uh, I uh, I not everyone could I, I should say I'm I'm very lucky to have been able to do this because you know i don't i don't have kids i'm single um i live pretty simply so you know for me being able to just pick up and get in my my beat up accord and hit the road for seven weeks was doable and i know a lot of people is you know aren't able to do that so um having that freedom in in my schedule was was very nice but it was you know it was a significant financial challenge also because i didn't get an advance i wasn't funded by anybody i mean i had to you know basically put up a lot of money to be able to 10 and granted i did stay in you know motel sixes sevens and eights on the on the road but uh, it was uh, it was you know not cheap to to do it so um but you know i just had this this co- this passion to do this i mean i i looked at this like uh, at the you know at the least if, the, if a book doesn't come out of it if it flops I will have an amazing one truly once in a lifetime experience not using that as a cliche I mean this is truly once in a lifetime I'm not going to go go out again and track down baseball players again yeah, not because I didn't have a great time but because it's a unique experience and so I was always had the attitude of you know this is this is going to be fun for a life experience and if it comes out as a as a great baseball book even better
1: uh, again, this might be a spoiler alert, so you can um, demur if you'd like. But um, is the is the car still operational? Is it still active? Yeah, yeah. Man. Wow. So I'm really I'm, I'm really bummed because in the middle of all this uh,
0: pandemic, I was I actually had a forty a forty stop tour lined up for the book for the book, and my the Honda has two hundred and forty six thousand miles on it now, and it's still going. And so the Honda was in the bullpen warming up, you know, wow. and now. <laughs> now it's being shelved like everything else so
1: okay honda but who knows
0: once we get through this i hope to get back on the road again
1: honda we know you're listening uh come on i think you can perhaps fund the um uh, the next uh book the next <laughs> book well, tour well, I, was, well, or... I was
0: talking to my dad about how like I, it, I should try to approach them as like you know they have those commercials with like people with over five hundred thousand miles like why should, why shouldn't my car be a spokes spokes vehicle for the company or...
1: well yes my God, I mean, I was not ex- I was not expecting that answer. So God bless that Honda. and this is gonna make me rethink <laughs> what my next car purchase is. My goodness.. All right, um, all right jumping back to one more uh, uh, card geek question and that is, do you can you tap back into your sort of visceral feeling of being a kid and, and opening that 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 pack of cards and did going back years later, Did it, you know, (laughs) the taste of the gum did not, you know, that did not translate. But was there any way to tap in even as an adult to sort of that feeling?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you figure like everything in our society now is so um, we have we're so spoiled by by how much access we have to content and customizing everything. Right. But which is cool. But there's also so few like truly organic surprises anymore. And I think what was beautiful about. That era and those packs is like that. It was truly this little little bundle of surprise every time, and so yeah, it, it brought me right back. I mean, I can vividly remember um, sitting on the floor, being six, five, six, seven years old, and opening the packs and sorting the cards in all different ways. And I was just put out a tweet recently to ask other people, you know, what cards from that era stand out to you for no reason, like, and I'm getting all these great responses of. You know, it's fascinating how memory works and how kids' minds, kids attach to different things that they like for completely irrational, inexplicable reasons. Like, for some reason, I loved the 1987 Top Sammy Khalifa card. I don't know why. I don't even know if I'm saying his last name correctly, but it's it's this weird, great card that's just lodged in my memory. And I think a lot of us who, you know, we got to remember in the 80s, you know, we didn't have electronics and entertainment to, I mean, um, internet to entertain us, we had to amuse ourselves. And so baseball cards were, there was this, this portal into doing that.
1: Yeah. The thing I always did uh, remember doing and, and still do because there's still a distinct connection is, is just literally smelling the cards. They have a yes, distinct yes. smell. I mean, I feel like, I know I sound like a freak, but every time I get like a pack of like, I smell the cards, every time I get a book, <laughs> I want to smell
0: the book, you yeah. know, it's like those
1: things are important to me. <laughs> All right, we are about to get into the real meat of the book, but uh, we are going to take a minute away and uh, allow some sponsors to speak to you. And so we will talk to you about this terrific, terrific book from Brad the Wax Pack here in just about a minute. We took it all.
0: We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2.
1: Play it now with Game Pass. All right, welcome back to the Southside Sox podcast. I am Brett Valentini. I'm here with Brad Baluchian, who has written a terrific book, The Wax Pack. And li- don't listen to me i tell you it's great you're gonna say oh, brett you're a clown i who who cares but all right let me just give you some credits here susan orlean tyler Kepner, george will jason stark jeff perlman ben limberg and our guy rob Nyer. this this is just the back of the book blurbs about this book the wax pack so don't take it from me lord knows don't take my advice Take all those dude and Dudess's advice. This book is terrific. So we're back with Brad. Faint praise, faint praise for Brad and his book here. Uh, But let's talk about sort of the, uh, you know, the the, the gist of what you did in these 11,000 miles. Going in, you had your list of who you needed to get. You had a checklist card, which was one out, but you had a list of guys who you needed to go uh, visit. Uh, who did you think going in uh, before you contacted anybody might be your toughest get? Oh, good question. Uh, it's a, that's, a, that's a tight race between Carlton Fisk and Dwight Gooden. And, and you have tapped into the White Sox connection to this book because Carlton Fisk by that time was playing for the White Sox. And he appears as a White Sox player in, Brad, in Brad's pack. And that dorky, that
0: dorky-looking batting helmet that I love.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, and the uh, dorky yet somehow beloved uniform that uh, that, that still I love
0: those those White Sox uniforms I'm glad to see them kind of come back in, in those, some of these retro games that they wear.
1: Yeah, it's there. It is there. Believe it or not, it is their every Sunday home game uniform. It is just yeah. like a permanent That's thing, awesome. which uh, you know, it is awesome. But it befuddles me because they're really like fully invested in a team that you know, has a crazy uniform and, and actually, you know, didn't, not like they won a World Series or anything, but uh yeah, so there's a connection there. Now, all right, let's talk then about some of your encounter, I guess we can put that in quotes with Carlton Fisk, not to give too much away, but you tried to chase him down in two different places, and I have to say, Brad, the Florida experience with you and Fisk is, um, is a movie unto itself, because... <laughs> You took a very interesting tact in, in, in some, um, I mean, desperation might be too strong a word, but you're here in the middle, pretty much in the middle of your trek, and you're not getting a lot of uh, uh, positive, encouraging feedback from Carlton Fisk and Agent. Uh, so you resort to some somewhat desperate measures to get to Carlton and, and, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about this, but I just got to say it, the, the, the you set the scene and it made me laugh because I just don't know what you were going to do if this actually worked. So if you don't mind, could you maybe set the scene a little bit for how you tried to, um, run into Carlton Fisk in Florida?
0: Yeah, I didn't know either what I was going to say to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, um, yeah, I mean, actually, I'd love to get feedback from your your listeners and White Sox fans about Fisk because you know he is he is a White Sox guy, and uh, so in the after people listen to this or read the book, I'd love to. If there are ardent Fisk supporters out there, please come out and, and, and defend your guy. Um, but no, I mean I knew Fisk. I did my I did my homework. I mean there was a whole book written by Doug Wilson about Fisk called Pudge. Uh, the first and only sort of definitive biography of Fisk and so in my research leading up to it I contacted him and said you know do you think he'll talk to me and he was like well probably not because I just wrote 340 pages about him and his 90 year old mom would talk to me and his brother but not him which you know okay if you're if you won't even talk to the guy that's writing a you know, investing literally years in writing about your your life and career. I mean, what are the odds he's going to talk to me, right? So when I say I didn't think I would get to him, that that's part of the reason why. Uh, so I I tried. I went through the usual channels. Got flat out rejected. Told I was told nope. You know, Carlton's not interested by his people. And so I said, all right, well, I'm going to have to kind of go rogue here. And so I found out from a source that he likes to golf at this really swanky, posh, private (laughs) resort in uh, Sarasota, Florida called the Founders Club. And the source said, hey, you know, he's always there at at the clubhouse uh, bar after he plays. Go try to see if you can can meet him there. And the way to get in is to pose as a millionaire interested in (laughs) buying a house on the course so I said okay. So I basically
1: No, no, chapter, no offense Brad. I'm 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 laughing right now. That's very presumptuous of me that you're not a millionaire uh you no, know well, in you know in position to be buying your way onto a golf course. So yeah, you, know, p- you know pardon the laughter but you know Dude, I'm a thou- a proud thousandaire.
0: <laughs> um and so I was uh I was like all right. Well, I'm, you know, so I, I had this whole ruse cu- uh, cooked up where I'm posing as this wealthy person trying to buy a house and I it actually well, I'll let people read the story, but I was amazed at how effective the whole thing was. But it was also hilarious because I'm a bad liar. I don't, you know, and I, I, I just kind of talk about how uncomfortable I was trying to do this crazy ambush scheme. And I'll just leave it at saying that um, I ended. I do end up in the book meeting Carlton, but not in the way that I planned on it originally. So. People can, there's actually two chapters about, about Fisk um, called Chasing Carlton and Catching Carlton.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know th- that's one of the, I mean, I think there's definitely different episodes or different scenes in the book where you can sort of use your imagination to figure out what was what was going to happen that didn't happen or what could have happened. And in a lot of cases, what, what could have gone south? Because by and large, I don't think it's a spoiler to say you, you did have a considerable amount of success in connecting with the, with the guys in your <laughs> card pack. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Fisk definitely is a delightful highlight because you end up putting yourself in a position that, you know, is just delightful to imagine. And I mean, in, in your own, dis- in your own admitted discomfort, uh, it, yeah. it is delightful to imagine. And I would have really liked to see the, the, the alternate um, universe, the alternate timeline where somehow it does actually succeed and you are trying to find a way to actually, you know, just, hey, whoops, hey, Carlton, hey, what's up? You know, that, that, that part I would have liked to see play out. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it did turn out to not um, not be a complete success, and certainly not a success on the level with which you had with many of the other players in the pack with Carlton. And so, yeah, by all means, if people do have comments and feedback for Brad in terms of uh, what the secret would have been, of course, it's far too late. This is already this is already in hardcover, so I'm not really sure that we're necessarily going to have a. Um, uh, although who knows maybe we do end up having uh, appendices uh, attached to the uh, soft cover version once this becomes a runaway bestseller Brad so you know that would be cool so you know maybe there's a possibility so get those comments out quick so so Brad knows how to make the connection with Carlton knows that that knows his weak spot uh, although uh, actually you did figure out a, a, a weak spot or two that you thought might actually parlay into success and, and even that wasn't successful so it's definitely fun stuff to read about Carlton because uh, you did not go in you did not approach him lightly so. That's right, that's right. So, okay, I guess we've got one of the hardest, um, uh, the biggest challenges of the pack. Um, And, you know, you've admitted Don Carmen being your favorite, uh, you know, your favorite player growing up. Uh, I don't know if that ends up being the guy who was your favorite to meet from the pack, but, uh, you know, if so, maybe uh, the one or two guys that really turned out to be your your favorite guys to be able to meet in this quest.
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, the way that I... I describe it is that if that Don Carmen is is for me still the highlight, uh, and you know what was what was neat about this whole experience was kind of exploring the notion of, of heroes and heroism and how as a kid he was my hero, um, and but it was it was in the in the sense, in the way that we all have heroes as a kid we look up to these athletes and they're larger than life and they're these you know these superstars. Um, But it's very different when you get to know your hero as an adult, uh, you know, 30 years later. And so I I was nervous about what is it like? What is this guy going to be like as just a a person? Uh, And one of the themes that comes out of the book is it's really comforting uh, to realize that we all have a lot more in common with these guys than we ever realized. That, you know, they're actually not that different from us. I look at it as sort of demystifying the hero, or the you know the star athlete, um, or maybe better to say reframing what it means to be a hero. So you know we, when we're kids, heroes are these like again larger than life kind of comic book characters. But as an adult, these guys are still heroic to me, but for very different reasons, right? That have a lot to do with how um, courageous they were in opening up to me and sharing a lot, of, being vulnerable and sharing a lot of stories from their past that were, that were really traumatic and difficult and, um, stories about their fathers, uh, leaving them, abusing them, challenges with addiction, with disease, with, you know, money, with losing fame. That was the, that's the takeaway from this book is more about who is a, who are these players as people, not as, not as players. And that was my goal going in was to approach this as you know not a baseball book but a book about uh these guys that that you know had this unique experience but again who are they really what what shaped them how how have they um how they handled life after being in the limelight and what who are they like as people
1: yeah, I think, yeah, I think that is um, stark as a reader, you, you even going in and realizing, uh, you know, if you're to skip ahead, or you're to look at the table of contents, or you get a sense of the the range of players you're talking to in this book. And there are a number of, you know, more pedestrian, you know, names, certainly average players, maybe guys who even had you know very short careers. And yet you still think that somehow, well, okay, they were major leaguers, they're fam- they're on a baseball card, they're famous, they don't necessarily have the same problems. And I think deep down we all, we all know better than that, but until you're actually playing this out in the book, and I think you listed some of the issues these guys dealt with, but it, it really hits home that there's a full rate, these guys, this wax pack is not necessarily different than the 10 guy the 10 people you gather down your street or a random 10 people in Nebraska or or whatever and they all dealing with very similar situations even if they were on this stage that you know we as kids aspired to be on and and everybody still you know has has the sense of worship over and the fact that you you know obviously got them to to discuss some of these issues but you sort of lived through some of that with them it, yeah is a definite like you know it's it's a statement about humanity that i think you know even somebody like me who considers himself a smart reader going in is still surprised by it. It's like wow there's a depth and breadth of uh situations these people have gone through and they were at the you know they were at the height of their professions yeah and it's a reminder that um you know
0: a lot of people talk about oh you know what would it feel like to be to be a major leader and yeah, the, the message is you, you, you already know. Like, if you're part of any group, right, if you're if you're on a, on a softball team or you've got a poker group or you've got, you know, a group at the gym, whatever your, your community is, that that camaraderie is, is what it feels like to be a Major League Baseball player. Because when you have that grind in the Major League, I mean, yeah, your first time playing, your debut is a huge moment, and I'm not trying to un- undervalue that. But once you get into the routine, like, these guys, I mean, it isn't that different. It's it's a day to day thing, and so um, the cool thing about the book is a reminder that uh, you know what you you already kind of know what it feels like to be a major leaguer in the sense that um, like Rans Mullenix, who was in the book, I asked him or he told me he just volunteered this. He said if I could have a choice between going back in time and going four for four with like a couple of home runs or just basically hanging out with Willie Upshaw and uh, jesse barfield and tony fernandez and those guys he'd take the ladder every time you know that's what he remembers is not what he did on the field but the the feeling of connection and camaraderie that he had with those guys
1: and it's also wild to realize that i think at least one of the players you spoke with um questioned almost from the start the questioned that very hero worship and, um, and maybe even, um, reading between the lines, maybe didn't get all of what he could have out of the experience of even being a major leaguer. And that's certainly something that we as non-major leaguers expect to hear from somebody, not necessarily bitter, but just very honest about, Hey, it, I didn't, it didn't move me then. And I'm, I'm still a little curious about it now.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, um, it's, you know, playing at that level, is is not for everybody and it takes a certain uh mental approach and and sort of personality type i mean i say in the book that baseball players are accidental buddhists because without even realizing it they're really good at at not holding on to things right because you have to let it go i mean you have to let because you're going to fail so much in baseball um you know i think a lot of these guys without knowing it you know they were really good at being in that locked into the present moment and letting go of what happened yesterday, not worrying about tomorrow, which is, you know, I mean, that's the essence of Buddhism is you're, you're living there at the present and accepting whatever's in front of you.
1: I'm already apparently serving as like um, a, a mini book agent. Cause I think I've already got you in paperback with appendices. So, you know, that, that, that's good. I mean, that things are looking up, Brad, things are looking up, but um, <laughs> uh, you, you telegraph this to a degree, uh, you know, at the end of the book in terms of uh, somewhat, Uh, something akin to an epilogue but uh you know let's take it a step further because it's it's been at least a little time since uh you had to send the uh you know the final galley off uh you remain in touch with uh with any of these guys
0: yeah actually it's been really before this you know the the pandemic has sort of thrown a wrench in things um with my book tour i actually had uh Uh, appearances scheduled with Gary Templeton, Rance Mullenix, Don Carmen, Jaime Kokenauer, Billy Cowan. I mean, a lot of these guys were willing to come out and meet fans and help me out by appearing with me.
1: Oh, man, that is a drag. Uh, Okay, so then, before we discuss a little bit more about the book tour, of course, because we definitely were going to get to that, uh, Did did you ended up unsuccessful with, uh, you know, I think at least a couple guys. uh, uh, Or whether successful or not have you gotten contacted um, after the fact you know quote unquote too late uh, by people maybe more more willing um, to do either more or to do something in the first place for guys you sort of struck out with
0: I mean have any of the guys that blew me off actually contacted <laughs> I me I so? yeah <laughs> uh Officially doesn't come out till April 1st so I'm kind of bracing myself and maybe I should get a if any of your listeners or lawyers out there <laughs> uh, yeah I, uh, <laughs> I am a little worried what is Carlton Fitz gonna say what is Vince Coleman gonna say um, you know those are probably the only two that really um, may not be so pleased with me but but my defense has always been you know, I, I told the truth, and, and whatever I put in there is what happened. And that's, I tried to get everyone to participate, in their choice not to, but I was committed to writing a chapter about each guy, regardless of whether they participated or not. And I think it's a better book for them, having blown me off. So, so thank you, Vince and Carlton, <laughs> because uh, I think every story, every narrative needs narrative tension. And those guys, by saying no and rejecting me, actually make the book more interesting, because if it was just, Fourteen Don Carmens I think you'd all be pretty bored.
1: It's a tribute to your cool, Brad, that you handled it the way you did. Because I would have been far more hot headed. I think I'm afraid with it, particularly with your follow up, I guess, with Fisk reps, where basically I think you did a good job of just holding to the line of, all right, well, if he's you know if he's uncomfortable, he's got an issue about then and talk to me about it you know right, i mean of right. course that's you know that's the journalist trap of saying okay well let's start talking and then you know we'll get something going here but that's the that's the cool way to do it is hey if, if there's an issue let's talk about it right
0: yeah, yeah exactly that's uh that's, that's my motto in life in general right? just, <laughs> just talk about it
1: all right let's um I guess let's say you've, you've, you've referred to the, the book tour and originally I was going to even hold off talking to you because I wanted to time stuff more with a book stop in Chicago, which I think maybe was scheduled in May. Um, I think I'd seen, but uh, obviously, you know, things with the coronavirus have, have, you know, really thrown so much off of course. And I guess obviously one casualty is a book tour uh, is is there any sort of contingency plan? Is there any, is it, is it maybe hopefully just going to be pushed back or, uh, are you just in limbo with it right now?
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's in limbo. I mean, I, I basically all the tour dates I'm going to have to postpone and cancel. Um, I do want to, I hope to encourage people, uh, maybe the nice thing about, um, about books in this era as you can still get them from online and a uh, cool I mean I'm always wanting to support as the book is obvious support the underdog and so I ask people if you're interested you know if you can great to order from um, an indie bookstore and a lot of these bookstores will deliver uh, even though they're closed up shop they'll deliver books uh, to your house and so yeah I was gonna do a, a, an appearance in Woodstock Illinois and one in Chicago um, so at the bookseller, I hope I hope that once we get more clarity, I can reschedule a lot of this because I would absolutely love to go to Chicago and the original circuit that I had planned. Um, in the meantime, it's uh, it's still going to be it's still available, you know, ordering online, and so. You can go to waxpackbook.com, and that's where I have a lot of the info on updating about the tour and so forth.
1: And I think what's great for everybody listening and reading the review on Southside Socks today is to jump on to Twitter for many of you who are uh, active on social media. Um, uh, Brad's uh, handle, uh, specific to the book, is at waxpackbook. And that's a great way to have, I mean, everything but the tactile, of course, experience of actually getting to shake the hand of the author and get that autograph. You're going to be able to engage with Brad and sort of see, you know, where he's going with the book, what he's thinking about, maybe some little vignettes that didn't make the book or stuff that's getting, dra- you know, uh, highlighted out of it. Uh, so you're getting to have a lot of that same book tour, you know, virtual experience just through the Twitter account. So that would be something that would very strongly recommend you follow uh, even before reading the book because it's just some some great stuff that's on the Twitter feed, uh, Brad. And I'm guessing that's something in lieu of a book tour that you're going to try to keep rolling with. And, and, you know, and ramping up and trying to find, you know, maybe, uh, you know, interesting ways to sort of get word out about the book through the Twitter handle. Yeah, and I, you know, what I
0: love about the Twitter thing is that, um, I mean, I'm no social media maven here, but uh, I love that the sense of bigger community that we tap into, like, it's just some of the conversations we've been having lately, just people, like, when I, it reminds me, so I'm a biology professor, it reminds me of my, the best feeling I have as a teacher is when we get to the end of the semester and I look around the classroom and they're all talking to each other about making plans to hang out after the class is over because it's about, you know, it's about them making the connection and moving forward and I think that's what I love about things like Twitter is like I can, I can light the match a little bit and, but then people start talking to each other and sharing stories and a shared experience and then they're off to the races making plans with each other. And, you know, that's what it's all about to me. And that's what baseball's all about, right? Is is basically this backdrop for building community and building relationships. And it's its nature as a slow plotting game is actually its greatest virtue or asset because it it creates this forum and this space for people to build that community.
1: Now, you just, you know, let it out that you're a biology professor. Um, and in the book, uh, you also admit that this is not something. This literal book is not something you're going to do again. You had a very successful foray. I actually forget the phrase that you use. Um, I'm going to say creative nonfiction, but it's a much cleverer phrase uh, than that. I think that you use in terms of what you accomplished with this book, uh, what you what you set out to do. So obviously, you're not going to open. Um, I don't think uh, 1987 pack and say, Hey, you know what? Let's, you know, let's, let's do the 1987 pack. Sequel. Let's- you know, I, you know I, I'd, be, I'd be thrilled if other people do. I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> if, if, if this
0: inspires people to do something similar, I think that's a, a great thing.
1: Of course your, your, your Honda in the garage just barked and honked because it said, come on, Brad, <laughs> please come on. Right. But, um, but I guess I'm still going to ask, uh, will you do this again? Are you, do you have ideas and, and do you have, do you endeavor to, um, along similar but not the same lines, um, after having this experience, uh, obviously I guess it takes two to tango, and you'll have to have a publisher host you. But is this something you aspire to continue to do again, and have a second or third and fourth book in the lineup?
0: Well, I, I don't want to do a, a, a direct sequel to this, um, and I, I, try, I try to say that you know one of the me- one of the messages from the book is to be to be in the present as much as possible. So I really, as a first time book author. I'm just trying to enjoy the process of every facet of the book publication process. Um, but yeah, as a writer, I mean, I have ideas about other things. Um, I don't. I'm not looking to rush into anything because this was six years from Bell to Bell to Bell to do this. But when I do tackle another uh, writing project, you know, for me, what I'm looking for is. Are bigger themes that transcend the 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 content, the narrow content itself. So you know, again, this book is not about a pack of cards or about baseball. Even it's about bigger things like growing up, the loss of innocence, uh, heroism. So I'm always looking, but what is going to be my vehicle to explore bigger, universal themes like that? And so, you know, that's what I think about when I think about future projects.
1: Well, Brad, I hope as soon as possible you're able to get back out to the Coliseum and 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 catch a ball game. I hope we all are able to get to some kind of normalcy <laughs> right. soon. And uh, I really appreciate the time. This book is the Wax Pack it's by Brad Belukjian. Uh, it is available on April first. Uh, I think that you're able to reach out to Brad probably directly via social media at uh, at the at Wax Pack Book on Twitter, and I'm sure there is a, a pretty good chance of having some. Uh, uh, some one-on-one or group engagement uh, with the book after you've read it. Uh, I encourage everybody to get out in order because it's a really terrific piece. And I really do appreciate the time here on the Southside Sox uh, podcast, Brad. Uh, uh, Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us about it.
0: All right. Well, thanks again, Brett. And uh, look forward to engaging with your readers or
1: listeners. Yes. But let's call it both. Let's call it both. Hey guys, thanks for listening. As always, appreciate your readership, appreciate the community, appreciate your listenership. And I hope you've really enjoyed this. We're going to do more of this in the future, I'm sure. But this was just such a natural uh, first time uh, to reach outside of, uh, to some degree, White Sachs universe and talk to somebody about some really, really great work and some some, some real art out there. So again, get out there read buy engage with the wax pack and uh it's going to be an experience you're going to really really uh enjoy thanks a lot brad for being with us thank you very much